0: Okay, well, Matt, it's been good to see you. Um, We've been talking about the
1: issue of being in a conversation with someone and there's some disagreement. Or other. And everyone who is in that argument or disagreement are already holding a position That neither one of them are actually looking for information. When they're looking for information, it's so that they can plug it into what they already believe. Okay. So if something is actually true, absolutely true, and you know it to be true without a doubt because of your repeated investigations. And you can investigate it just one more time to make sure, yep, it is true that the earth is round, for instance, that I don't care. So if if I see two people arguing, one is arguing flat earth and the other one is arguing round, basically what's going on is neither one of them are absolutely sure that we cling to things that we want to be true. If it actually is true, then there's not much clinging to be done. So, what happens is if the arguments are, are based upon uh, a shred of doubt, a shred of uncertainty, a shred of fear oh no, what if I can't convince this guy? Then that means that I don't understand the subject well enough, or it brings doubt in our own mind. That's where the frustration comes from. How can I convince him or how can I talk him into believing what I believe without recognizing that he is an an individual doing exactly the same thing that you're doing? He's trying to convince you of what he believes. to where the distinction between what he believes and what you believe is really not important. That this is actually an issue of Christianity, where Jesus teaches the golden rule, do unto others the way that you want to be done unto, which means if you want this guy to agree with you, then the golden rule would be that if you're mindful enough and see what's going on within your own mind, you can begin then to apply the golden rule and start to agree with him because that's what he
0: wants. hmm <laughs> Yeah. All right.
1: I and guess yet, that's what but,
2: I want too. So yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, right. You want people to agree with you to where in fact, if you understand that, that, that What you believe is not important anyway. If it's a fact, then it's a fact, and it doesn't need your support.
0: If it's true, it stands true alone, and it doesn't need you to prop it up. But if it's not
1: true, then it does need you to prop it up, because you're the only one right now propping it up. (laughs) <laughs> and that's why people get into arguments because they're not quite sure.
2: Well, something I feel, okay, I'm just going to give you an example. I feel sure okay. that the acquisition of wealth can only come from a place of dissatisfaction. Okay. And I believe that to be true, and I believe that people, when they don't believe that, they... They just lead themselves into more dukkha and more dukkha to the point that they could just continue through this cycle of dukkha until they die and never actually become happy and secure.
1: Right, until they figure it out. But in this particular conversation that you're referring to, he's making sure that you understand that he does not want to figure it out, that he wants to hold his position, that money, like information, is power. And basically, the power that we're looking for is the power of feeling safe and secure. That when we don't have money, we feel insecure. And so we think if we do have money, we will feel secure. And there is a sweet range. But in fact, the Buddha talks about it as well as psychology. Psychology talks about it as a poverty line. Now, we're not talking about a physical poverty, we're talking about a mental poverty, but they are related. The Buddha also talks about the four requisites that if we have the four basic bottom line requisites, now we can practice. But if you're starving to death, it would be better for you to go get something to eat than to sit down and meditate for the next three days. Right. We have to fulfill those bodily needs and bodily functions. And so this is where people get to is they say, okay, well, every time that I have reached over the bar of my basic requirements, I'm still not happy. Maybe I should raise the bar and then climb over that bar and then I'll be happy. It's an addictive process. And right, because there's no end to it. Look at your favorite guys right now. Uh, we'll put Bill Gates in a special category because he's retired, and that's an important point. But you look at Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and those and uh, all Branson. There's a, there's a few more of the guys who were su- super rich and also super personalities, and not one of them is happy. They actually don't like each other. They actually <laughs> argue and, fuss and fight when they've got stuff very much in common, especially Bezos and, and Musk. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, they're ready to go after it with each other. Also, Elon Musk now is has got uh, 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 Vladimir Putin by the throat, so he thinks. All right. that, <clears throat> so Elon Musk has some brilliant ideas and he's got some really good things going for him. But he got a lot of that stuff through the bad feelings, and now that he's got all of that stuff, he still has a lot of bad feelings. So, the acquisitions of goods don't solve the problem of be- feeling bad. You and I can see that fairly easily, but even folks like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk haven't figured that out. <laughs> okay. But in fact, there's the railroad barons and uh, uh, this happens in the United States on a regular basis. When when a new industry starts up, a few very intelligent people will rush in and then they'll fight with each other over the ownership of the thing until one of them becomes uh, a monopolizing owner. That happened with oil, happened with television, it happened with cable. It's happened with the internet, it's happened with social media, now it's happened with
0: electric cars.
1: Okay, same thing over and over again, and you have some superstars. But some of those superstars, when they get old and they've amassed all of this fortune, then they begin to wise up. And this is what we call the A of uh, these the stage of life of philanthropy, when they begin to recognize that they're going to get more joy out of giving the money away than they ever got by getting it.
2: Does it also have to do with them realizing that they're gonna die and they can't take this money with them? That's exactly the case. And only is when you get old do you recognize
1: that you're gonna die. Oh, Alex.
3: Hey, <laughs> guys. I decided to come back so, on.
1: O- only when you uh, get older do you recognize that you're going to die and so all of that money that's been accumulated by these uh, very wealthy ones that we've mentioned by Bezos and Gates. Uh, actually, Rockefeller and J.P. Morgan and uh, Vanderbilt and all of the guys from the previous centuries about 100 years ago all of them. In fact, we know about Carnegie because he took that money that he made. I think he was in railroads and built a university and a concert hall and gave a lot of the money away. And he got more joy from giving the money away than he got from getting it. The problem is is that these very very rich guys had to very had to wait very late in life before they learned that. The question is, is, can we as Donoghue's learn about generosity and the joy of giving early in life? But, there is, but it actually, it's in the Bible. there's one of the Bible quotes. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And yet our whole society is built upon capitalism, not philanthropism or socialism. So our society is generally unhappy because we've been taught that happiness comes
0: from the accumulation of wealth rather than the distribution of wealth.
1: And so um, as you're beginning to learn that, Matt, that's something that we can start looking at. What can you do? You can begin to get generous. And that uh, we don't have to practice it just with money. Going back to that example of when you're in an argument with someone and you're absolutely, with all the facts, know that you're right, that he's in the same position because all of his facts say that he got off the internet about the flat earth, and he believes it all. (laughs) Got it. Okay. And here you are trying to convince him that the earth is round, and he's trying to convince you that the earth is flat, And it doesn't even matter to either one of you. It's an irrelevant system. But mostly the ones who have the flat earth, they cling to that because they want it to be true, even in the face Hmm. of solid evidence. Yeah. Yeah. They want it to be true so strongly that they're the ones who are most willing to argue with you about it. And so he sucked you into that argument because you don't even care if the earth is round or not. But if we understand the idea of the golden rule, which is better, uh, or let us say, uh, that whatever that you like or want, do that for other people. Now, the Dhamma is actually a bit more sophisticated than that. And that is, is that we need to add wisdom to that. It's pretty easy for each one of us to figure out what we want so that we can give that to someone else. But it's more sophisticated to figure out what that person wants and needs and then give them that. Give them what they want. A really easy idea is that at Christmas time, uh, uh, husband and wife are opening their presents or are newlyweds and the husband uh, he gets um, a set of pots and pans and a blender and his wife gets a pair of panties and a subscription to C-SPAN or to uh, span. <laughs> right so she gave him what she wanted and he gave her what he wanted and neither one of them was satisfied even though they both got what they wanted.
2: (laughs) But I assume it's just easier to associate with people who already believe in what you think is correct.
1: Ah, yes. That's what organizations, NGOs, clubs, masons, lions, rotaries, (laughs) all of that stuff is about. Is going around and being the Rotary Club or the Lions Club or uh, there was Woodlands of the world. There used to be a lot of different organizations. Uh, Social organizations that we don't have so much anymore, that all of the social organization systems is broken down. The last bastion of that would be the churches, and you can see that those are falling apart rapidly now. And so, all of the social clubs and social organizations that used to exist that gave people community, they're losing that. And so the whole quality with the uh, uh, with the Buddha Dhamma is that we we understand that community is so valuable. That's just why we're trying to find a way of establishing online community for Dhamma dudes so that they can. Practice the Dhamma together and gain great benefit out of it together because they're there's like-minded. Except that they're they're not going to be like-minded all the time. What they need to uh, to learn is not to agree with each other at that deep level that we're thinking about. Like you're not actually going to start believing that the Earth is flat, but you want that guy to agree with you. And so if you're going to practice the golden rule and you remember to practice the golden rule, then
0: that means that you're going to give him what you want. Agreement. So you agree with him. Can you have the guts to do that? Because then you'll
1: be happy.
2: I actually tried this yesterday. I tried Uh this yesterday. He said something about. Sam Harris. I don't know if you know who that is, but he linked me a video oh, of do Sam I Harris.
1: Ever Sam Harris. Yeah, Sam Harris has got quite a reputation.
2: And I said something, I don't like Sam Harris like whatsoever, what he has to say. But I said something positive to be like in agreement with him. And he was like, Oh, it's good to see that you gave up on Dom Rotho. And I was like, Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> I was like, no, I was just trying to be positive. I absolutely don't like anything that Sam Harris has to say. But like, that was just my example of trying to do agreement and how it failed. Well, let me
0: say this, going back to. um, uh,
1: Evaluations. Like we were talking originally about COVID and whether masks or vaccinations were. Sam Harris is on that same kind of continuum. Sometimes he feels like a nut and sometimes he (laughs) doesn't. Sometimes he is way off base and sometimes he's spot on. Okay. Name me anyone in the world who
0: does not fit that description.
2: I give you at least 99% of the time spot on. Pardon? I give you at least 99% of the time spot on.
1: Oh, my God, 100% is not there. Oh, no, 1% is missing. Oh, poor me. Oh, what do I need to do? Oh, please tell me what to do.
2: It was at least. Realistically, I'll give you 100%. Like, I don't. What have you said wrong before? I don't know. can't think of anything.
1: Well, um, the, the point is, is though we have to think through what we're saying and that uh, Sam Harris often will take a position. When I say think through, that means to investigate, by the way. And that Sam Harris doesn't always do an investigation. That in fact, uh, almost everything he has to say about meditation is wrong. <laughs> but that's only because he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but he doesn't recognize that he doesn't know what he's talking about. But that's one of the, uh, the Greek philosophers uh, would say this, and it is absolutely true. And that it is a well-educated person begins to figure out how much he doesn't know. Ignorant people think they know everything. Because they have an opinion on everything. the the wise man recognizes that his opinions are just opinions and
0: they may be wrong and they need to be investigated and
2: checked out How does this relate to the hindrance of doubt though because a lot of the times I see you telling people what you think with like 100% conviction like you know is true you're not questioning it so it seems like in a lot of cases, in regards to dhamma, if if you're not sure, then you're just going to fall into the hindrance of doubt, and you, you're not doing jhana. You're
0: gonna I'm be sorry, dissatisfied. I I didn't catch that. Uh,
2: um, for example, like if I have doubt or I'm not sure about whether controlling the breath is a good idea or not, then my life is just going to be worse.
1: Because of the doubt or because yeah. the doubt prevents you from checking it out. But in fact, if you do practice the breathing, you can see immediately that taking a deep breath actually does feel good.
2: But then that would take you away from the position of not knowing into conviction and confidence, right? Yeah, for that breath.
0: For that one, just true right now.
1: Let's take another breath and see if we can get a roll going. Let's see how many dots we connect of one breath after another after another that feels good. And when you recognize that, hey, every breath that I take actually does feel good because I'm watching what I'm doing, then I can pretty well count on being on a roll. So if something checks out time after time after time after time and every time you do check it out, it checks out good again then that's science. Basically, the Buddha was a scientist. Uh, I've got a very clear example of that, and that is is that when Einstein. Was working with space time and understanding that it was space that bent because of gravity. They had no observation of that at all. And that uh, they He figured out, and they figured out, that the way to find out is by getting a solar eclipse so that you can block the sun with the moon and then see the stars that should be behind the sun would actually be able to be seen because of the bending of the light of that that star around the sun. And they took, uh, gosh, because World War I was happening and they tried it in Russia and didn't get it done. Somebody, in fact, uh, the Russians, they took the cameras, (laughs) those very sophisticated cameras. Eventually, they were able to do it, I think, in Australia, where they got an eclipse there. Now, the point is, is that after they did it one time, the whole world of scientists celebrated that they got a photo of it, that they could prove it. But now... I know a number of uh, physicists and scientists. In fact, when I was in Houston, I uh, joined the astronomy club because of a friend that I was working with, and that that was one of the things. Then uh, where I met Dr. Sapko was because we actually had back in the 1960s a solar eclipse in our vicinity in South Carolina. And I happened to have met this guy, and there he was with all of his students and all of their big cameras and all of that fancy stuff because they wanted to prove again that Einstein was correct, that stars behind the sun in an eclipse can be seen because of um, uh, what is, is called gravitational lensing. They do it over and over and over and over again. Why wasn't that photograph that was done in 1970 good enough? Why does every physicist in the world go around chasing solar eclipses so that they can make a new photo of this would just approved gravitational lensing again? Now they can do it with um, um, uh, galaxies. That a whole galaxy will bend the light around it so that you can see beyond the galaxies that, um, uh, that what they used to think was a number of galaxies winds up being just another galaxy that's gravitationally lensing around the galaxy that's in the way. So it's provable over and over and over and over and over again. And that's what scientific is, is that we keep proving it and keep proving it and keep proving it to ourselves. We keep doing an investigation. So back to the breathing.
0: Well, wow, that was a good one too. And this one, I really love that one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, this is what we mean is, is that we have to keep verifying it, and yet humans, we would rather try to talk each other into it rather than continuing our own investigation, our own um, experience. Now. Um, that issue of the golden rule is very interesting. And not only the golden rule, but in Christianity, they have uh, brotherhood, fellowship, agate love, that uh, they have um, love, faith, and charity, and above all, is charity. Okay, That's, that's the whole teaching of Jesus and Christianity, and yet when you have two Christians come together from two different churches, they're going to argue about the distinctions and the doctrines of their church rather than actually become friends. So the whole point then is, is that if you've got a friend that you've mentioned that is a flat earther, capitalist flat earther, then the way to treat him is with kindness and friendship Never mind that he's completely wrong because he sees you as completely wrong, but that shouldn't Mm -hmm. be a reason for separation. But you can still come together and find a way of fitting in so that you can be friends.
0: As opposed to being in a constant argument. That never gets resolved. And so that becomes a sticking point. Between that, in fact,
1: um, there's this is an, an interesting concept, and that is the uh, the issue of conflict. What happens with conflict? It can either be conflict avoidance, the two people will avoid each other because they have a conflict. It's like the guy, once you have an argument with the banker, you don't want to go back into that bank, especially not when that banker is there. You begin to avoid that bank, you'll go to another branch. This is very common in Thailand: conflict avoidance, that if two people get in an argument, they may never speak to each other again, even if they're neighbors. That happens in the West also. But the Western mentality also has the issue of conflict resolution, which means that the two people will come come back and fight again, and come back and fight again, and come back and fight again, and come back and fight again. Over and over and over again, trying to get a resolution, which the resolution would be, I want you to agree with me. And both sides take that point. So the way to resolve the conflict is to go ahead and agree with him. That in fact, you can say, well, the earth may, may be flat. And that's okay that the world is flat. The question is, are we going to use that as a way of guiding our lives?
0: Or is it just kind of not important, not relevant? And what you've come to
1: understand is capitalism is not particularly relevant. And yet look how much our society dwells on capitalism. You know who promotes capitalism the most? It's the people who have benefited from it the most. Except that They didn't benefit enough to want to keep (laughs) capitalism going. They haven't made that change from being a capitalist into being a philanthropist. They haven't learned that lesson that it's more joyful to give than to receive or more blessed to give than to receive. That charity is, in fact, the way to go. Generosity. um, And generosity and gratitude go together. That if you buy something from a store clerk, you're not going to be grateful for that store clerk because you bought it and you paid for it. But if that same store clerk happens to be your neighbor and he just happens to have one of those things and he gives it to you across the backyard fence, then you're going to be grateful to him for it. Another way of looking at it is everybody loves a smorgasbord. Everybody loves free food. And that's why we almost always overeat and overstuff when there's too much food
0: available. Because we think that the more is better. And so if we can recognize that
1: no generosity or uh, giving things to people, actually resolves that conflict.
0: And if you can just agree with him. And you're not swallowing your, your pride. In fact, you can keep it.
1: there's in Christianity. Actually, there's uh, the, the word pride is used in the sense of a false pride. That pride goeth before fall. All right. But there's another word or another use for the word, and that is confidence. Sometimes when somebody is really confident because they understand and they know and they check it out and they check it out and they keep checking it out and they know for a fact that it's true, then they act as if uh, they're a know-it-all of whatever to that person who doesn't know it all. That, in fact, uh, the, the Buddha was known as a lion. He was known as a bull. But some people considered him a bully. Mm. They didn't like him at all. Why? Because he was super confident. Yeah. Because he knew what he was talking about. He had played with it. He would experimented with it. And he knew it. And that people who are not quite sure of themselves, they've got no uh, doorway.
0: They've got no entrance. But he will still be friends with them.
1: But there's no reason to uh, to agree with someone about something that is actually quite harmful to them. So uh, in the case of the flat earthers, generally the guys who believe in flat earth, other than when they're on Reddit, or on YouTube, it's irrelevant, doesn't mean anything. They live their lives, whether the earth was flat or whether it was round. But capitalism can be quite harmful. Yeah. People can get really, really stuck into it. But but um, there. There is the case. This is uh, out of uh, NLP. Have you ever heard of NLP, Neural mm-hmm. Programming with Vander yeah. and Grinder? Okay. Uh, Vander and Grinder uh, actually put a label on the process. They called it pacing and leading. Pacing and leading is done in the sense that you go and meet the person where they are, That you pace with them. And then you begin to lead them. So... The idea then with um, uh, the flat Earth is you agree with, okay, well, maybe the Earth is flat, and you stay with that for a while, and then you begin to ask them questions about it. Like, well, how does GPS work? How do satellites operate on a flat Earth? And get them to start to question what they're thinking about. But you can't get them to question it if you are already taking the opposite position, because now they see your questions as incoming. So we have to join them and agree with them in a way. You get them kind of, you join their side of it so that then they see you as friends and to now you can lead them out. This is one of the reasons why I would say that friendship is more important than truth. Mm, Yeah, because you'll never get the truth to those who are not friends with you. So we got to go with the friends. Now, another way of looking at it, we've talked about conflict avoidance and conflict resolution. There is actually a third way, and that is the Buddha's way. And the third way is, is oh, there was never a conflict to begin with. It just wasn't a conflict. Any conflict that I saw was only in my mind. Any conflict that the other guy sees is only in his mind. The reality is that there's no conflict. And because there's no conflict, it's actually easy then if you understand what you're doing and you remember to understand what you're doing. Rather than get caught up in the heat of the moment, we can remember, oh, if I'm going to get this guy anywhere, I've got to go join
0: him in his position and then lead him out of it.
2: I've noticed that just disagreeing with people in general is heavy dukkha for me.
1: Yes. So don't disagree <laughs> with anybody anymore. Don't bother. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But you have to remember, and what do you remember? Disagree being disagreeable to people is disagreeable to me also. Yeah. I used Being to be proud of that, by the way,
0: people is going to be agreeable with other people also.
1: And this is why we want to have Sundays, because are those NGOs or all of those Lions and Rotaries and Masons and free Woodsmen of the world? And gosh, the list goes really on and on. Um, Eastern Star for women. There's just so many of them. In the old days, I think they're almost all defunct now because of social conditioning and whatnot has changed. And so we don't have like-minded, we wind up finding people more often to disagree with. And so it's better to become agreeable, intentionally become agreeable. Now, the way to do that is by practicing Anapanasati, because that's actually what we're doing is we're practicing to remember to be agreeable with ourselves and our own mind. That in fact, what's going on generally is the reason that people are disagreeable with each other is because when they part ways, they go back and on their own, they still are in a state of disagreement. One of the ways that we're in a state of disagreement is by setting rules or standards for ourselves that we can't live up to, like you ought to lose weight, or you ought to be meditating, or you ought to do this, that, and the other thing, and then the other side of us says, "I don't want to do any of that," and so we wind up being in disagreement
2: with ourselves.
1: Or, or you the ought to way- stop
2: disagreeing with people. Ah. <laughs> uh? Uh, one for me is you, you ought to stop disagreeing with people or like you shouldn't have disagreed or you shouldn't have even had the conversation. <laughs> yeah, you got to
1: catch 22, right, exactly. Because down deep inside it says, what do you mean being disagreeable? I'm not disagreeable.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and all of those kind of thoughts are unhelpful thoughts. The right way to practice is, is to remember Everything is okay. There's no problem here. There's no disagreement. There is no conflict. There is nothing to have a conflict over. Everything's okay. Everything is fine. Nothing to worry about. No place to go.
0: And we can
1: just relax. So that's the place to start, Matt, is to start in your own disagreement with yourself because you are actually, you've already come
0: to the point of recognizing you don't like being disagreed with. And yet we're the ones who are being disagreeable
1: because whatever he said, you say no to it. So when you think that he's being disagreeable, it's actually us has been this also being disagreeable because we're not accepting what the guy has said.
0: Like flat Earth? Hmm. Yeah, I'll go check that out. Looks flat to me here. Wait a minute, it's not that flat. We got a mountain behind us. <laughs>
2: I think this is basically what you were already saying, but I noticed that being disagreeable is just a symptom of being unhappy to begin with.
1: Yes, that's the whole point. Right, Being disagreeable is the form of unhappiness that we have. That we're seeing is right and wrong, yes or no, good or bad. This is good, this is better, this is best. At being agreeable, mm-hmm. Is seeing that there is no conflict, there is no good or bad or this is better and that's best and capitalism is terrible and philanthropy is wonderful. Well, it depends. Because if the philanthropist gives all of his money away, now he's going to be miserable. And if he gives it away uh, in his old age, his kids are really going to be miserable. And so there's balance in, in all of this stuff. And when we can find a balance, when we can find that middle path, that's what the Buddha is uh, speaking about. But in fact, he introduced the whole idea of the middle path or a balance before he even uh, introduced the four noble truths to his group of five. In his first sermon, the Dhamma Chakra Bhavanta Sutta, that he talked about, Balance. Sometimes you feel like a nut,
0: sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. That's okay. Either way.
1: But if you're wanting to make friends, we need to be agreeable with the people. So if you're going to make friends with your own mind on the inside, you have to learn to be agreeable on the
0: inside too. And the agreement is everything right now is okay. The agreement is this is a nice breath. So, this is actually basic anapanasati.
1: This is why the Buddha says that the whole teaching is friendship. And Yeah. We learn to make friends on the inside, then we can learn to make friends on the outside.
0: And kind of got that.
1: If you've got noble friends, they will teach you how to
0: be friends on the inside. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is remember.
2: <laughs> yeah, just like how you reminded me that, that Sutta says or the Buddha says the or friendship is all of the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. Because I'm talking to you, I remember that. And it's like, ah, yes, that's exactly right. I had forgotten about that. And it's important.
0: Mm-hmm. So now that you're recognizing that,
1: this is what we can sort of put on our list of things to remember. It's our to-do list. To do what? To remember. To be friends. That's what we're going to put on our to do li- to-do list. Now, what we have on the to do list, we need to take and put it on the don't do list. Because normally, what we have at the top of the to do list
0: is get it right, get it done. And so, uh,
1: when two people have that to do list, and they disagree with something, they've got to both get it right and get it done, which means that they're in conflict with one
0: another. When
1: in fact, there was really no conflict to begin with.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a capitalist, that's okay. There's also the issue that they're all, There are a lot of people
1: that you can find if you go looking for them who are like-minded. It's better to find people who are practicing the Dhamma so that you can, uh, because they're actively interested in making friends and so are you. To where your guy with the capitalist uh, idea, he's more interested in being
0: right than he is in being friends. That our society teaches us that um, knowledge is power over other people, that life is some sort of a competition and human beings are your major competitor. So we can change that in the sense of, no, those humans are not competitors. They're just
1: confused thinking that they're competitors, but they don't have to compete with me if I don't compete with them.
0: We can be friends and We don't have to agree. Don Rado, can I say something?
3: Whoa. Well, Matt, I was just going to say I've been a part of the Sangha for like, I think three months, almost three months now. And I I really didn't think this was gonna be the case, but what I found is that the more and more I've interacted with people on the Sangha and learned to like be friends with the people in the Sangha, that friendliness is is um extending outward toward my other friends that are not Dhamma yeah. friends. Like my my girlfriend. I'd say she's more or less your example of the capitalist guy. She, she likes to be right and she can be stubborn, but I've learned my stubbornness too. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, I totally am with you, man. It really is Duka to be disagreeable. Um, and then what's great is when you can see the, the disagreement and then you can just agree anyway. You could just make friends anyway. Like, oh, okay, I, I could see that we don't necessarily see eye to eye on this, but that's okay.
1: That's right, everybody's going to have their opinions. Everybody has their own viewpoints. Sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But if we use that as an opportunity to make enemies, then we'll have a whole life full of enemies. Mm -hmm. But if we use that as an opportunity to make friends, then we'll have a whole life full of friends. And a lot of us don't understand that because we've been trained in this capitalistic,
0: selfish mentality. So remember, (laughs) wakey-wakey.
1: Wake up and recognize that, hey, life is nice. It's really quite good to be alive. And that's something that we do share with the others. We can have fellowship, we can have camaraderie, we can have um, friendship. But we have to practice that
0: because we have been taught in our society to be competitive instead. In other words, conflict built our society as
1: well as makes every war.
0: And people are miserable when they lose what they cling to. So it's better to cling uh,
1: to lose the clinging to a round earth than it is to get in a fist fight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> So being agreeable, that pacing and then leading, that's the key. The pacing
1: actually is the making of the friendship, getting on their side, getting under their skin.
0: Walk a mile in my shoes, the Indians say. So that way you can actually let him
1: get it off his chest. By making friends, you can ask him questions. He'll say, this is true, and this is true, and that's true, and all of this kind of stuff. And then you can question him about it. That he, in fact, may have some very interesting information.
0: I mean, flat Arthur's are not all that stupid. Not as stupid as some of the red ducks that I know. So,
1: um, this is what I would recommend is stay with the friendship, stay with the agreement. Give him what he wants, because that's what you want. Practice the golden rule. Give Hmm. people what they want. I never thought of it as
2: being generosity. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh Uh-huh.
0: And then he may give you something that you want.
3: Yeah, that's the coolest part. You know, I notice sometimes I'll be like sharing something with Abby and she'll like cut me off and she'll start talking. And I'll notice like the impulse to be like, wait, 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 come on. And then I'll just I'll just let that go. And then very quickly, she's like, I'm sorry, what were you saying? Yeah. And then she starts talking, she'll cut me off again. And then I'm like, it'll be there, that impulse to say something, but it's much less. And then she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you saying? So it's cool, because it's like, your generosity helps people wake up. She wakes yeah. up. Yeah. It's really beautiful to see. Actually, it's it's like, wow, I prefer it this way. This is amazing.
0: <laughs>
3: doesn't even matter that much that. I didn't get to say what I wanted to say.
0: Because
3: <laughs> I got to see her wake up. That's better.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so um
1: taking that one step further, Alex beginning to agree with her. Will work also. But in he said, fact, he were kindly, kind of already, tacitly agreeing with her by not talking, mm.
3: just letting them talk. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, tacitly agreeing with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, just a simple, just a simple. Oh, okay, that'll it'll do. Or yeah. Oh, I see. It's the spirit of agreement. It's not as much the words. It's the spirit of agreement. Like you're there with them and. Very very, good. You're connecting with them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Matt, has this been helpful for you?
2: Yes, of course. I'm motivated to uh, talk to you more and join the Sangha calls
3: because this is definitely of use. Oh, awesome, man. Good to hear. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right, well I tell you what, why don't we finish this call now and then we can uh uh, uh have a conversation with Alex. And sure. uh, I really hope to see you again,
2: Matt. That's great. All right, I'll be back soon. All right, and good I will Good also to meet you,
1: wanna, Matt. Last, to be, uh... last, Thank you for all of your kind work and effort. That situation uh, with the Open Sangha Foundation, has been completely resolved.
3: <laughs> oh, you were behind that, Matt? You were the Matt oh. behind that?
1: <laughs> oh, he's not that Matt. Oh. No, this is a different Matt.
0: Oh, This I, is okay. the Matt with cash.
2: Okay. I, I was the one who donated and got refunded because oh. they weren't going to do anything with the money, I guess, or it got locked up or whatever. Oh, okay. It wasn't much work to get the money back. It just said, like, give me the money. So, <laughs> yeah. Don Rato did actually all the work on that. Really? There was nothing to it. It was a piece of cake.
0: <laughs>
1: all I had to do was just be a bull for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Matt. Well, we'll see you soon.
2: Okay. See you, Don Rato. See you, Alex. Okay, See you, Matt. All
1: right. Matt, let's finish, or Alex, let's finish this call and call again.
0: Uh, Oh, okay. Do you want me to give you? you